and we thank you for this time just to hear those words, those words which are so different uh, from anything that we've heard this week. Uh, help us now to listen to you as you speak to us, and may you just transform us um, and transform the way we think about you, and may we as a church uh, become a people uh, devoted to prayer. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So this comes uh, hot on the heels of uh, Sam's uh, sermon last week. Uh, and mine the week before. So we're looking at, um, you know, where does God live? He lives in his church by his spirit. The spirit lives in his church, not the building. That's not what the church is. In the Bible, the church is the people, the people who have trusted him and he is united to himself. That's where he lives by his spirit. And when someone lives in a house, the house takes on the character of the one who lives in it. And that's what we've been talking about. If the Spirit lives in his church in Gabalva, then his character will be seen in the church family. And what are those sort of characteristics? The first is this. It was love. Love. And love summed up the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. That is what you will see in a church where God lives by His Spirit. You'll see a loving people. They love Him, they love each other, and they love others. The second thing, that the characteristic that it'll take on, is that they are united. And that was great, wasn't it, last week? Just being freed of that, isn't it? Let's work out um, how we can be united. And what a struggle that is. It's like, no, that when you've been baptized and you join the church, then you are united to Jesus. And we just now got to express that unity. So he's talking about a like-mindedness in that we say the truth is the truth no matter what. Yeah, and it's about Jesus, and we're going to listen to him, and we're going to live according to what he says. It talked about um, ha having the same love, that we, we love the same Father in heaven, and his Son Jesus, and his Spirit who is at work among us, and we don't want to grieve them. It means that we consider others better than ourselves. If you like, we could sum it up in loving God and loving your neighbor. That's, that's what it is. That's the characteristics that should be seen in Gabalva because the Spirit lives among us. But how is that going to be seen more and more? Isn't it? We want people to know that. In my own life, I, can, I, I see where I don't love God, I don't love His people, and I don't love anybody else. I, I see the self-centeredness and the selfishness, and I don't see that as clearly as other people in my family would do. But I, I see that. I see that um, my mind is all full of rubbish, that I believe stupid things. I believe lies in my head, and I'm not getting on board with how, how, how the truth is in his word and it is believed by the church family. I don't, I'm not getting on that. I'm not having the same love, and I'm not considering others better than myself. So how can we, how can we have a church like this? which is now this sermon. How can we have a church like this? And it's to pray and ask God to make us like this. That's it. It's prayer. Prayer is it. Is that we talk to him and we ask him. We ask him. 
And we've got the Lord's Prayer in this passage, and we read it. That's the one that we've got from Matthew's Gospel. But I want us to read it out together. But we have the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, that, that is how he uh, teaches the disciples. And it's just worth mentioning, isn't it, that the disciples, when they saw Jesus do miracles, they didn't ask him to teach them how to do that, which is surely where we would be, right? We, we talk down about the disciples, but yet we would find ourselves a lot further down here, isn't it? That, that we would find ourselves um, doing a lot of like, Jesus, I want to make water into wine. <laughs> now, now that, that's where it's at. Now, now, teach me how to do that. What words did you use for that? Um, but no, the disciples look at Jesus, and however good a prayer you are, you think you are, um, they looked at Jesus and was like, okay, fair dues. Uh, I'm nothing like that. Do you know, in my house, I can play some, uh, some chords on a guitar. Um, I can make it sound a little bit like Wonderwall by Oasis. Um, and I think I can play the guitar until I come here, and then Sam's just upstairs in the office just playing around with a song, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can play the guitar. <laughs> and the disciples are like, look at Jesus. Yeah, I can pray. Yeah, I can do that. And then they look at Jesus, and they're like, oh, flip. Uh, that's how you pray. Uh, so Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, we must be a praying church. Um, there's a, a guy from uh, this country who kind of like uh, stayed in America a long time, and his name is uh, Leonard Ravenhill. A little bit different from us, a lot different from us, but he says this, no church is greater than its prayer life. Yeah, so we, we desperately need help to pray, don't we? I've done a series on this, and um, I probably need to listen to it again myself, because it's, like, it's just not, non-existent. Prayer life, uh, J.C. Ryle, I think one of the guys I, I listened to quoted J.C. Ryle saying, I thought every Christian prayed. But he said, the more I go on, I realize that the majority of Christians don't pray. But we've got to be a praying people. Because as James says, is that you, you don't get because you don't ask. Isn't that the fundamental point of praying? Is that you see that we're not like this. I'm not loving. I'm not loving as I should be. I am not, uh, you know, I don't deny myself and love him, and I don't deny myself and love others. My head is full of trash rather than full of the truth. And when we see that gap, we're supposed to go, I need to pray. I need to ask him for that, to close that gap, to fill us, to fill me. Because the Bible says if you don't ask, you don't get you don't ask, you don't get fundamental to that. Well, he tells this story to help us to pray. There's a story here, isn't it? Uh, you've got a guy who has had some people descend on him, lastminute.com. They've knocked on the door. He's opened the door. He's like, hey, how are you doing? And they want to offer hospitality, so they invite them in. Um, but they've got no food in the house. They haven't got enough food in order to, uh, to, you know, to entertain them and to feed them, give them a bed and send them on their way. Uh, there's no uh, Tesco slots available. Um, they, they, they introduced this thing, didn't they, where you can type something in and get it delivered in, within an hour. Um, it's called the whoosh, wasn't it? Whoosh. Uh, but that, that's not available either. I think they may have pulled that. Um, but, but here's this guy, he's got nothing, all the shops are closed, and it's like midnight. And so he's like, I know what I will do. I'll go and knock the door of my neighbor. Because uh, you do that, right? Midnight? Yeah, let's get in there. So he knocks on his door. And he knocks. 
And the guy's like, what are you doing? He opens the window up above, and that's what happens. We've been doing some door knocking, and this is the, one, of the, one of the reactions we get. They pull the nets, like, and they're like this through the window. But you imagine this guy opening his window. What is it you want? What are you doing? He's like, I need some bread. Boom, slams the window and goes back into bed. So then he knocks again. Um, and, and the guy's like, are you still here? What are you doing? Uh, this is outrageous. I got the kids in bed with me. Every time I move out of the bed, I risk waking them up. Boom, slams the window. But then he knocks again. And out of the window is launched a loaf of bread. Isn't it? <laughs> he catches it. Thanks a lot. And he goes next door. That, that's the picture given here to help us in this. Why is it that you don't pray? Why is it? And is it because you think he's not going to listen to me? He doesn't really want to know what, what, what I'm going to ask for. And it's probably rubbish what I'm asking for. And I just don't think that he cares. But then this passage is here to tell us that the focus of that story is not on the insider. It's on the guy on the outside. That's what he wants you to copy. He wants you to copy the confidence of that one who knocks on that house and then isn't turned away by someone shouting at him. He wants you to take on that boldness of just going and saying, this is what we need. That is what he wants you to copy. And you've got this, haven't you? He's, he's not going to give him the loaf of bread because he's his friend. He does it because of his persistence. Because it, it is bold to knock on my door at midnight um, and to expect bread. It's bold. And that is how he wants us to come. With confidence of like, yeah, he's just being a bit grumpy. Um, you know, it's all right. He'll give me the bread and we'll talk tomorrow and he would have forgotten about it. It's that sort of boldness and confidence to come. Now, there is a comparison with this guy, isn't it? Of like, you know, we're not talking about a grumpy neighbor here, are we? We're not talking about a father who is wicked, but still those who are wicked give good gifts to their kids. That's what I do. I give them good gifts. You know, with uh, Christmas coming up, you're thinking, what do they want? And I'm trying to think, yeah, I want to give them good gifts. I'm a wicked father, but yet I know to give good gifts. Now, when we talk of the father, the father that Jesus has told us to address, he is not grumpy. He is not one who opens a window and shouts at you. He is not one who will treat you like that. So boldness and confidence is your posture. As you see the disconnect between what God says in his word, oh, this is the characteristic of the spirit living here, and you look at your own life, and it's like, it's nothing like it. It's boldness. It is confidence to go to the one who is the good father, the one who will give you the gift that you need. And you talk to him, and he will hear you, and he will answer you. It's not complicated here what you've got to do, is it? He doesn't talk anything about how you, when you must pray. Up at 4 a.m., you've got to spend three hours on your knees. You know, we, we would, we'd roll out Luther around this sort of point, wouldn't we? Um, he manages to pray, you know, I'm busy today, so I must pray even more, isn't it? It's like that weird sort of like, yeah, we're busy, and so we, we ditch everything else. Uh, but we would wheel out Luther around now and go, yeah, but Jesus doesn't talk about time. He actually, when you read the Lord's Prayer, we were, we were done within 20 seconds. It's not about length. 
It's not about sincerity of, I really got to feel this. It's like, no, his word says, this is the characteristics of the Spirit, of him living in the church. Love and unity. I don't see love and unity. It is crying out to him and say, Lord Jesus, show me. Show me where, um, where I'm so self-centered and show me that so I can repent of it and, and know your Spirit living in me, helping me to be loving. It, it's, it's, not, it's not brain surgery. It is a boldness that you are supposed to possess a confidence that you were supposed to have because you know him who you're coming to talk to, that he is your father. It's the boldness that he requires. And then there's the generosity of the one who, who is there. He is generous. He gives gifts. And he will give you his most precious gift, the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be asking for. Maybe in the pound of plate later on tonight, we'll, we'll see what else we can pray for, for the church. Because without praying for the church, we're not going to change as a church. But maybe the pound of plate, we'll, we'll dig into that. For, for this morning's purposes, what do we ask him for? What, how, you know, we're going to come boldly and confident to him. We're going to speak to him who is generous and will give good gifts. What gift is it he's telling us to ask for? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because we need him. We need him. In Galatians 5, it says, isn't it, the, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They're obvious. And they're all things that are uh, disgusting and they destroy people. And they destroy people around those people. But, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and self-control. What a contrast. The other contrast is this that the acts of the sinful nature come naturally to us. It's our default setting. It's what we turn to straight away when anything goes wrong. When we find that we have a need and a disconnect. I want to run away from seeing that gap myself, and so I'll plummet my head into some sort of immorality, or into drinking, or I'll try and escape looking at that disconnect because I'm a proud man. That's what comes naturally. But the fruit of the Spirit is born of Him. If we are led by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit, and then we possess the fruit of the Spirit. It's supernatural. So to go away from this and go, I must be more loving, you're kind of missing the point. It's missing the point. We have to go to Him and say, can you give us your Spirit? Fill me with your Spirit. So that I will be, I'll have all of the fruit, the characteristics of that fruit that I will love. That I will be led into that conflict where I, I, am, I am confronted. Confronted by the fact that I am not loving. And that I won't run away, that I will face it and say, no, the Spirit has led me here. And then we will do that of confessing our sin and asking for strength to repent and to turn the other way and to live a different way. Because that's the context of the fruit of the Spirit. It's conflict. It's growth. We need to grow. We grow through that conflict. The Christian life's a battle. You go in around thinking, oh, I want the Christian life to be easy and comfortable. It's in exact opposition to the way that the Spirit will bring about those, that fruit. It's in exact opposition to it. No, we see the disconnect. We pray. 
We pray, Jesus, make us a people who are different. Every day, praying for the church, that whatever happens that day, that we look towards Him, we go boldly to Him and say, will you do something with us? Will you help us? The Spirit is the one who took all of what Jesus has done on the cross and has applied it to your life. He did that. We can call out for the Spirit to work His saving work in our lives, and we've done that. But now we're going to call out for the Spirit to do His sanctifying work in our lives, to change us, to be more like Him, to have the character of uh, the family, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to be a people who pray. I need to be a pastor who prays. I need to be a husband who prays, a father who prays, a member who prays. We can come boldly and confidently. Don't be scared to approach him. Don't be scared. He is our father, and he knows what we need. He knows what is best for us. He will give us the good gifts, yeah? It's not about like, oh, you ask and you'll just get whatever you want. No, it'll be along the lines of what it'll take for you to follow Jesus, to love him more dearly, follow him more nearly. That's how he will answer your prayers. Fruit of the Spirit. But that we come boldly, confidently to him who is generous. That's what this is about. This is what's supposed to spark us into praying now this week. Boldness and confidence to the generous Father. Oh, may he help us to be, so, be like that. Should we pray? Lord Jesus, help us, we pray in this, that we might be a praying people, that we might ask and then receive. Um, and uh, we know that you want to give us uh, what we need. You want to give us your spirit. So please help us, we pray in your name. Amen.